Hey everybody, it's Eric Torenberg, co-founder, partner of Village Global, a network-driven venture firm. And this is Venture Stories, a podcast covering topics relating to tech and business with world-leading experts. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Venture Stories by Village Global. I'm here today with a very special guest, Mike Elias, a consultant, uh, thinker, and writer in the crypto space with a particular interest in ideas markets. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Eric. Happy to be here. So, so Mike, what idea are you trying to bring to the world? What are ideas markets and, and what do you hope happens with them? Thank you. Well, I hope idea markets provide a similar approach to disintermediating centralized media that Bitcoin did for disintermediating financial institutions and central banks. With Bitcoin, we have, we've needed to rely on banks and, and central governments in order to give money value, in order to transact, in order to politely refrain from interfering with our commerce, our bank accounts, and uh, inflation and things like that. And having such concentrated power over what so many people are able to do creates these imbalances, injustices, inefficiencies, whatever you want to call them, that we've basically decided in the crypto industry not to tolerate anymore. And the very same sorts of problems uh, still dominate the endeavor to define reality for large populations. And that's done by uh, centralized corporate media corporations and things like that. The media uh, corporations generally have a big stamp that says, if you believe this, you are absolved of all moral responsibility for it, and you can feel safe and know that there is a consensus behind you. It's a big stamp of officialness that is very difficult to question and very difficult to build consensus outside of. And and that is the issue here, that as long as you have a few centralized uh, mouthpieces deciding what is true or what is important, uh, what is key for hundreds of millions, even billions of people to know and to pay attention to. There's a disincentive to actually inform those people uh, to their own benefit, especially when those centralized mouthpieces are so embedded in corporate interests and government interests. And how does this differentiate between uh, with, with production markets? Because you have some nuance there. Yes, absolutely. So I haven't yet begun to explain what an idea market is actually is and how it operates. It's a new paradigm for defining reality, which is what the goal of the centralized media corporation is, or at, at least purports to be. It's the function it performs in society. Let's put it that way. So you asked about prediction markets. Prediction markets are sort of similar in that they sort of crowdsource an opinion or a belief. They give people a way to uh, leverage their knowledge into a wager of some kind. And it settles at a certain moment in time when that prediction has either been fulfilled or not. And then the bet is settled and the payouts are made uh, accordingly. And that's that. What's very interesting about that is that it's decentralized. So I can make a market on, on whatever I like, but it, does not solve the problem of defining reality and creating consensus in any meaningful revolutionary way because predicting events is only a tiny, tiny part of understanding the world around us. So 
idea markets, for example, imagine the way Reddit curates content. If people like it, if people believe that other people should see it, it gets voted to the top. And there's sort of a correlation between quality and visibility. NASDAQ sort of has a similar structure. NASDAQ, any stock exchange, really, when there's a lot of confidence in a business, people invest and it rises to the top and it gets a lot more attention. It's in the Fortune 1000, the Fortune 500, etc. There's sort of a correlation between uh, ranking and quality. So idea markets are sort of a combination between NASDAQ and Reddit and that and Reddit votes don't cost you anything. Upvotes don't cost you anything, so it's very easy to game. And in NASDAQ, the only real vote there is is an investment. And this is the kind of environment that I'd like to create, calling it an idea market. It's a marketplace where investments uh, lead to visibility and credibility, and that is the only way by which credibility is established. And that's done in a decentralized way without anybody running it, without anybody having the ability to censor which parts of the conversation uh, receive investment. And it's a way to basically have a continuous census of what everybody in the world believes. And only those people who believe it with enough confidence that they're willing to stake something on. Does that make sense? Yes. It, it seems familiar to prediction markets, no? The key difference between prediction markets and idea markets is that prediction markets uh, predict specific events, whereas idea markets curate uh, existing knowledge. And since idea markets are more about curation than prediction, they don't actually settle at any point. They're basically perpetual. So it's sort of like popularity contests or like walk me through, like uh, I would have an idea market that I think Kawhi Leonard is going to go to the Lakers and uh or, or that the lakers are the best team and then if enough people upvote me i get money off that or <laughs> how does that how does it work sure That'll... yeah so the lakers are the best team could be entered in an idea market the issue is that this is pretty easy to verify in, in life it would probably be a better prediction market because there's a, a moment in time at the end of the finals when you really find out if that's or, true or let's say that kanye west is the, is the best beat producer yeah, I, I just think. Okay, you. great. That's that. That may be even better of an example. So, uh, if you say Kanye West is the best beat producer, you say that's in a tweet, and we're dealing with an idea markets that is just comparing all the all the tweets that people have entered. If someone agrees with you, they can buy a token of it. Now, I should really stop and explain the structure here, so that I don't you know have to revert later. So are you familiar with the work of Simon de la Riviere on token bonding curves? Yes, I've had him on the podcast, but uh, ex explain what that is to our audience and, and why it's important, how it works. Sure. So uh, a token bonding curve is a smart contract that issues tokens in such a way that the price always directly correlates to the number of tokens in circulation, and you are buying tokens directly from the smart contract, so there is always liquidity. You don't actually need somebody buying in order to sell your token back to the platform, in order to sell your token back to the contract that issues it. So the more tokens are in circulation, the higher the price of the token is to buy a new one, and the fewer tokens, the lower the price. So 
this can act as a way to gauge the interest, the value, the confidence in an item on a curation market, such as an idea market. So an idea market is the, the one that I have uh, in mind for a prototype is comprised of token bonding curves such that, for example, if we're comparing all of the publications in the world, you have a New York Times token, you have an InfoWars token, you have a Fox News token, you have a Joe Rogan podcast token, anything that could be considered a publication, no matter how offensive or mainstream, they're all sort of lumped into the same uh, battlefield, so to speak. And if you believe that a certain publication is doing an excellent job of appealing to your innate sense of reason and taking all the information that is in the world and representing it in a way that is useful to people and focusing on the things that are important, you buy the token that is associated with that publication. Let's say you buy a New York Times token. And there are probably a lot of people who will agree with you and they will also buy a New York Times token and it will become fairly difficult after a while to get a new one. The price will be high. The magical thing about idea markets is that when we're looking for investments, we tend to look for things that are undervalued. We apply our specific knowledge, as Naval might say, and see, try to find what people have missed. We try to be very objective, try not to get emotionally attached to a, a prospective investment, and uh, just be very, very rational about it. And when we look for a narrative, when we look for something to believe about the world, we tend to look for something with the stamp of authority on it. We tend to look for uh, what does the New York Times say? What does Fox News say? What does CNN say? And this is the, basically the reverse. What these large mouthpieces are saying are far more likely to be overvalued than undervalued. So when you have a prominent viewpoint or a prominent publication like the New York Times at the top of an idea market, what smart investors are going to do is perpetually try to find something that is better. They're perpetually going to try to identify, before anybody else does, a publication that creates narratives that do a, an even better job of curating the existing information and delivering it to people in a way that is useful right now and addresses real issues that people feel and uh, and brings people together and, and creates consensus yeah i'd love to see an example i guess or just like walk, walk through an example of what this looks like in practice sure so for example it took 50 years for the you know the controlling media corporations to make it known to the general public that the effects of smoking are harmful. Uh, this was known in the, in the 40s or 50s whenever the scientists uh, concluded this, whenever the science, scientific community concluded this, and it was kept basically from emerging in, in the proper uh, degree of, of severity and popularity by the corporate interests that were mixed up with the media. So if you have an idea market, you have the ability to submit information to this global conversation that cannot then be removed by a centralized party. And if people are looking for the undervalued, as investors do, 
they will be looking for ideas that are not so popular, not at the top, and they will be investing them and, and in, doing the, in doing so and in investing, they raise the visibility of the idea that they believe in. So say you, Eric, are, are an investor, a venture philosopher, I might call you, and you see the study uh, about smoking and it's not known yet that smoking is, is harmful and you're really uh, convinced by it. So you have some specialized background here. You are not afraid of believing this for whatever reason. You don't really care. Your community doesn't really mind if you believe that smoking is harmful. You don't live with a bunch of smokers. Or maybe you do and you want to get back at them. In any case, you are among the first to identify this information as useful. So you bet $1,000 on it. You buy $1,000 worth of tokens. And that makes the price go up. And the tokens are ranked by market cap. So as other investors are looking at the markets, more people are able to see the idea that you've invested in. And the money that you've put in it has indicated that uh, you and whoever else has invested really believe that there's something worth looking at here. So more people take it seriously and the effect sort of snowballs. And the New York Times can't do anything about it. Marlboro and other big tobacco companies can't do anything about it. And as a, a good idea gains traction and gains investment and moves up this market, anybody around the world, no matter their bias or needs or cultural viewpoint, can have a, a voice in asserting that this is something that needs to be known. And uh, it's it's not something that can be interfered with by a, by a centralized party that the way things currently happen. And, and what if this smoking harmful is an easy example. What if it was something like, you know, there's the uh, you know, anti-vaxxers now, or, or people were like, you know, if I said a thousand dollars and astrology is, is accurate, you know, astrology has exp explanatory power. And then people, you know, saw that and backed it. Why are we so convinced that the good ideas were went out, I guess? Sure. When there is risk on the line, people tend to be very careful about what they do and say. When there's a chance that I might lose money, I'm going to be much more careful about evaluating alternative viewpoints or viewpoints that conflict with my own. If I invest in the idea that astrology has predictive power, I'm going to be guarding against, or before I even invest, I might get a real understanding of the reasons why a lot of people don't believe that. And maybe I will not invest after all. And if I do, maybe I will be more on, on guard for changing that. When there is a vested interest, it changes. Let, let me put it this way. Idea markets harness greed to strengthen the motives for critical thinking. And in changing the the motives of critical thinking, you create an environment where it can happen much, much more readily than in this current environment when the motives for critical thinking are, are really very few and far between compared to the motives for social acceptance, for creating an identity uh, for oneself, for self-validation. Greed is an extremely powerful motivation, and there's not currently a way to use greed to encourage people to seek truth 
that happens uh, in investment markets uh, in, a, in a business context, but in a political, a scientific, a cultural context, there's not really that, that element. And now there can be. Going back to like Nazi Germany to take an extreme example of, hey, yeah. Jews, Jews yeah, yeah. are the problem. You know, that, that spread pretty quickly. Like, would that have spread even more quickly in this world or would that have been stopped? Or how, what do you think about that? As a descendant of Holocaust survivors, that risk is high on, high on my mind. However, in order for such a thing to happen, a majority of investors would have to be convinced. And it's also quite possible that uh, someone like Hitler, who had great control over uh, media at the time, would never have been able to uh, rise to power. And over time, as people evaluate ideas objectively due to their, their greed motives, I expect that the ideas that have more integrity will outlast the ones that do not. Just by nature of uh, the sense that they make by their nature of their uh, ability to unite people and be useful for people. How did you come up with this idea in the first place? I'm a big fan of Reddit, and I was very disappointed to discover how corrupted and corruptible it is. Uh, I just greatly admired what they were able to do in terms of crowdsourcing content and curating quality in, in such a way that it became a, a fount of dissemination. And then also, uh, there's so much frustration with the media, particularly in this country, and I, I feel that frustration a lot myself. There's a, a famous video clip of a CNN interviewer interrupting a congressman who's talking about NSA spying to switch over and talk about Justin Bieber. She says, I'm, I'm sorry, congressman, we have to you know, interrupt you here for a moment. Justin Bieber is having his trial today and blah, blah, blah. And it's just very clear that the purposes for which, the purpose that the media purports to have to inform the public, to be the fourth estate, to sort of defend the people from the government and all of those things, the media is failing so terribly at those things that we must question really whether that is their purpose uh, after all, at least right now. And given that we have the technology now to uh, define reality trustlessly, or at least give credibility to narratives without needing to trust centralized third parties, it seems like a natural next step to build a uh, platform that allows us to do that. So yeah, let's take Reddit. Putting aside the centralized versus decentralized, how would Reddit be different if you added sort of the speculation component? Because that's what it is, really, speculating on, on ideas because they often can't be settled or there's no sort of intrinsic value to, to ideas, right? One, would you accept that as right. speculating? And then two, how would Reddit, as we understand it, be different? Sure. I'll provide a quick clarification on the speculating. The way I'm imagining the first idea market is that the bonding curve that I mentioned would have a slightly higher buy price than sell price no matter what. So there's a bit of a spread that the platform is capturing like a market maker constantly on all the volume that goes through it. And 90% of that perhaps will be redistributed to the holders of the top ranking tokens at the time. So the idea is that though these tokens would seem to have no value, there would at least be a way to uh, make them valuable if they are good enough to 
rank highly and thus share in some of the profits of the platform. Does that make sense? So it kind of takes some of the speculative aspect out of it? Yep. Great. Okay, so your other question was about how Reddit would be improved by introducing uh, speculation. Yeah, it, 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 sorry, could you actually go back? Could you explain that w one more time in terms of what, why speculation is, is taken out of it? Sure. Without what I just described, the entire point of an idea market would be to buy low, sell high, that's it. And there's some utility in that, but it is pure speculation, and it's much better to have uh, some kind of uh, structure by which there's intrinsic value to the idea tokens. And in order to create that, what I'm doing is uh, ensuring that the platform itself that issues every token that conducts every trade earns a profit on the spread between the buy and sell of every trade, basically. And that the profits that the platform collects are automatically distributed to the holders of the top performing tokens of all time. So if I buy a New York Times token and two months later it's at the top of all the idea markets sharks, and I have 10 of those, then I will be entitled to 10 over existing circulation of some percentage of the profits that the uh, platform generated for itself. Does that make sense? So it's sort of like if Binance were to distribute profits from its trading fees to holders of BNB or uh, Ether or Bitcoin or whoever's at the top of the market cap uh, structure at the time. And my question, I meant speculating in a different aspect, which is, you know, there are some ideas that keep coming up in the human race, uh, generation after generation, that aren't necessarily the most productive, that are, that are like, you know, like catnip for people. You know, uh, if, if you said, uh, or like, uh, you know, we talked about horoscopes earlier, but like, you know, things that promote tribalism. But sure. Yeah, yeah. Those ideas would get a lot of backers, right? They, they may at first, but the fascinating thing is that since they tend to be uh, a minority of humans worldwide at any given time, over time, those ideas will be drowned out by ones that are contrary. And as people leave those ideas, the money that was invested in, the, in them in the first place sort of drains out to their competitors, to their more worthy alternatives. And so without forcing anybody to shut up, without saying you can't say that, without policing thought and language, without insulting anybody who may honestly be doing their best, we create an environment where those beliefs are not rewarded and not because they're being shamed out of the world or anything. It's a uh, protocol for ideas to fight battles on the merits of the ideas themselves. And so... Yeah, but let's take an example of you know, the ideas that China is going to, um, you know, should be the world superpower. And, you know, obviously there's a billion Chinese people and lots of other people who would have that interest. How, how would that play out? Like, what's going to outvote that? First, I'm not sure that having the idea voted to the top that it should be is what would make it so. However, the, the, the only way to fight that, really, if it became a serious issue, would be to invest in alternatives. If China wants to be the world's superpower, it has to convince the rest of the world that it deserves it. If Croatia says, you know, I have a way better plan, then no matter how many people China has, if more people believe Croatia's plan and uh, appreciate it, then they will make Croatia the new world superpower. Right. I guess what I was wondering is if you see that there are certain, 
like, is it sort of a pop because there's no settling, is it sort of just popularity context and what are the ramifications of that? It's a popularity contest in a way, but it's perpetual a, so that things that are the most popular now may not be able to resist the tide of common sense in a few years or even months. Second, it is not a popularity contest in the sense of uh, an election uh, or voting because there is risk involved. If it were only a matter of uh, what people said they believed, if it were easy to drop a free upvote or create a bunch of fake identities and upvote a, a Reddit post to the top and give the impression that there was a lot of consensus that it actually being there, uh, then the popularity contest aspect would be more of a problem than if people actually have to risk capital on their idea. If oil companies spend $500 billion to make it look like you know, climate change isn't real, uh, that has a limited half-life. That idea is going to erode as the scientific community, as the weather starts to betray the convictions of this falsely supported idea and money will flow out of that into its alternatives. So there's a structure here for writing the mistakes, uh, the philosophical and assumptive mistakes that we make as a society. What are the uh, other sort of the biggest concerns you have around idea markets for things to be figured out? Sure. Some of the biggest concerns I have are how do you build markets that uh, consist of participants that sort of play well with each other? For example, do we want to have tweets competing with essays, competing with videos, competing with scientific journal articles, or should we separate all those things out individually so that the evaluation mechanism doesn't you know, have to deal with these different mediums? If we're comparing tweets, you can just have like a billion shower thoughts out there that are all getting compared. And someone might say, you know, you know, Racism is bad, and that might get you know shot all the way to the top, and there's not a whole lot of detail or intricacy or nuance or any other kind of considerations that have to go into play. At the same time, if we're evaluating or comparing articles in a physics journal, having a you know Einstein's you know paper in 1905 on relativity compete with a tweet that says racism is bad, uh, there's kind of a mismatch there. How do you evaluate? How do you say one is uh, more worthy of attention than the other. So to create markets that fulfill their purposes individually uh, is an interesting challenge. And I think one key example of this is given that markets are for long-term reckoning of philosophical mistakes without any third-party intermediaries, how do you use markets to decide which breaking news to believe? How do you do short-term uh, daily credibility? And I believe the way to do that is to compare publications who make it their job to do breaking news. So rather than have you know, billions of people try to evaluate every single day, you know, did Israel blow up a school bus or did Palestine? Did uh, Donald Trump say this thing or, or didn't he? Rather than have try to have a billion people sort out and find consensus on these facts that nobody could possibly have the first-hand knowledge to uh, uh, evaluate. 
And instead, you kind of abstract it out one layer and say, you know what? Mother Jones is doing a great job on this. You know what? The Intercept is doing a great job on this. And the publications that over time earn your trust in this short-term category become the sources of, of breaking news that, that become most trusted. So that's still uh, determined in a decentralized way, just not, not on an article-by-article basis. Yeah, so, so, so walk through, give some examples of how Reddit w- would be different with, with uh, idea markets. You're adding sort of a financial element to it rather than just sort of the social, uh, social capital element to it. Sure. So uh, a few things about Reddit. One, there's currently the ability to downvote in general. Uh, with idea markets, there's no way to downvote other than to sell the token. This forces people who have complaints to be productive, to provide and support for the alternative rather than simply say, X is bad, I am anti-whatever, and just complain all day. So Reddit would not work as an idea market because there's a downvote button. Uh, second, Reddit operates with an algorithm that aids the impact of new upvotes after a time so that the top posts of the day tend to only be the top posts of the day. What I'm imagining for idea markets is a more long-term dashboard of global conversation. So if it takes something five years since submission to reach the top all-time market cap, then so be it, and that's perfectly fine. Reddit doesn't really have a structure that incentivizes continuing to upvote past submissions, no matter how high they've gotten before, no matter how good they have gotten. Reddit is structured for daily curation. Uh, So that's another problem and another reason why Reddit would not work for this. Third, there is no skin in the game in Reddit. It's very easy to have upvotes that are free, to create false identities and upvote things en masse. You can buy on Black Hat World, you know, warehouses full of Chinese people who will go out, you know, and tap this wall of mobile phones that are all hooked up and logged into Reddit under different, you know, usernames in order to boost something artificially. And Steam sort of tried to recreate Reddit in this way uh, with incentives, but it didn't really work. And I think one of the main problems was with it was not only did it have this similar sort of short-term curation goal, but also they had upvotes that had a different sort of cost structure than investments in a certain way. So I, I, hope, I hope that's kind of shedding light on the difference between uh, Reddit and Idea Market, and also Reddit's uh, centralized ownership uh, is, a, is a huge uh, obstacle and, and moderatorship. Reddit is so far from decentralized. This is actually kind of funny. Uh, Reddit a few years ago released a report on the most active Redditor cities, the cities that have the most activity on Reddit. And number one is a certain Air Force base in Tennessee or something like that. I actually used to remember the name of it, but uh, it kind of indicates that there's some furtive propagandistic uh, activity that is. Know, using Reddit to advance whatever some centralized interest uh, decides. Let's sort of zoom out a little bit as to the you know, problems of journalism and, and fake news. Is it that fake news is a bigger problem today than it has been 
uh, historically? Well, the interesting thing about fake news, and actually there are several, is that different people use the term to mean different things. Some people use fake news to mean literally fictional articles that have been written in a journalistic fashion and, and disseminated around the world. And another way people use fake news is to criticize established news agencies like CNN as not doing their jobs. And there's a lot of merit to that sort of criticism. So first, when we're talking about fake news, first thing we have to do is explain which one we're talking about at which moment. So the fake news that a lot of people in the social circles I'm in tend to be referring to is the one where people literally write fictional articles and disseminate them as though they're real. The approach to curtailing this tends to be some kind of deplatforming, some kind of individual centralized evaluation and uh, judgment. Facebook will say, you know, I don't think this is real. Delete. Facebook uh, will say, uh, I don't think this publication does a good job telling the truth. Delete. Facebook, I believe, says, I simply don't agree with what this publication is saying. Delete. And so you have centralized approaches to fake news that amount to sort of trying to put out a bunch of fires that you don't really understand. It's kind of like trying to cut off all the heads of a hydra. And there's a, an analogy here to the war on terrorism. What the war on terrorism illustrates is that it's impossible to kill an idea by force. Uh, I'm going to say that again because I think it's very important that it's impossible to kill an idea by force. When you confront uh, an opinion or, or an idea uh, directly or forcefully, you tend to only make it uh, more stronger and stronger and more powerful. So if uh, insurgents in the Middle East don't like America, they think we're the Satan and they want to kill us and, and break down our buildings and things like that. We want that idea to die. So we go over there and bomb and shoot the people who believe that. And then their families and friends become upset and say, the Americans did this. And then they perpetuate the very same beliefs that we were trying to extinguish. There's kind of a, a lunacy here in trying to kill ideas by force. Uh, nobody is going to be convinced to change their minds uh, against their will. So this kind of centralized attempt to change people's beliefs is, is never going to work. Uh, when Facebook removes a publication they believe is fake, uh, if it's a publication that is trying to do its job, but just simply not towing the party line, uh, so to speak, they won't be convinced that what they're doing is fake. They'll only be convinced that what they're doing is important. Look who wants to silence me. Look who feels threatened by my voice. So there's a, a need here for a mechanism that does not try to extinguish ideas by force. And that's what idea markets are intended to be. Eric Weinstein has complained that we don't have communal sense-making institutions anymore. What do you think he means by this and how, how do idea markets help? I can only guess at what he meant by the implication that we have had communal sense-making institutions before. I'm going to guess that he means 
decades ago in particular, there were fewer uh, well-trusted news institutions, uh, journalistic institutions, and people sort of collected around those few like, like a warm fire. It was the only access to important information that uh, vast numbers of people had. And with the freedom of the internet, where anybody can publish anything, uh, the news, the main journalistic institutions, were no longer able to control a narrative and create a consensus just by stating it and omitting what they didn't want in the picture uh, the way had, they had been able to before. So I think there may be an element of golden age thinking in Mr. Weinstein's comment that there have been uh, communal sense-making institutions before. Uh, on the other hand, uh, there was a lot more innocence, uh, public innocence before. There was a lot more trust in the government and in these institutions. And I think that really uh, could have made them better, even if they may not have been as perfect uh, as we wish they were or as they seem to be compared to how things are now. Uh, but let me get back on topic a little bit. Part of the issue is the, a huge, a huge part of the issue is that sense-making institutions to one person are, uh, you know, propagandistic, corrupt corporations to another person. Uh, for example, the way that platforms and established authorities have been treating fake news, whether it be the uh, imaginary fictional kind or whether it be simply the uh, refusing to tow the party line kind, the approach of simply silencing it is creating ideological warfare and cynicism and mistrust. So how do you create consensus among an audience that does not trust you in the first place, that does not feel heard in the first place, that does not feel that you are including, reporting on, taking seriously the information that you believe is important and valuable. So the old model where an authority puts its stamp of credibility on something and says, this is important, this is true, this is worth paying attention to, is gone. It's a, it's a relic of the past, and it's not something that can be reestablished. The only way to create anything like a sense-making institution today has to be one uh, without authorities, without trusted intermediaries, where people can create credibility in an environment that honors the possibility that they may be right, no matter how outrageous their idea may be. Right. You, you wrote a post saying that blockchain startups in, in journalism are tackling the wrong problem. Unpack yes. that. Sure. So many of the problems that I've addressed here do not seem to be at the front of the minds of a lot of the projects that are uh, trying to improve journalism, which is, is absolutely a noble and necessary thing. I absolutely believe they have uh, the best of intentions. But there are, tend to be two major problems with the projects that are trying to uh, help in this field. One is they don't recognize the conflict of interest that... Uh, journalistic authorities currently have. When you have an authoritative news source that earns money from advertising revenue or from selling their attention in some way or another, they cannot afford to lose their audience. They profit when they compel 
the attention of their audience, when they publish clickbait, when they publish things about Justin Bieber, when they publish uncharitable interpretations of uh, statements that politicians have made, uh, there is an incentive breakage, incentive misalignment between making a profit or, or staying alive, maintaining one's readership and doing the best truth-seeking and truth-telling that it is possible to do, which is the purported purpose of a journalistic institution. So that's one, one problem. The, the blockchain projects that tend to tackle this don't tend to do anything to change the incentive mechanisms around uh, becoming a journalistic authority. They might create new platforms, but they tend to still depend on their readership and or uh, donations for support or advertisements or attention or something like that. They basically recreate the same dynamic that already exists in the broken system. The other issue is that in the attempts to deal with fake news, they tend to imitate the centralized authorities' approach of deplatforming. They tend to say, you know what? We're right. You're wrong. You can't have a voice here anymore. And as long as they have that approach to people who disagree or who are discontent for some reason or who distrust them for some reason, then those people are not going to form a consensus around your new platform. They're just going to seek out another one, one that includes their voice. So there's no way to create consensus on a platform that insists on deplatforming. There's no way to bring together people of disparate viewpoints if there is a way to squelch exploration, if there is a, a general fear of confrontation with ideas that seem to be outrageous or contrary. Uh, so those are the two major mistakes that I see a lot of blockchain journalism platforms make. If, what do you think is the best go-to-market for, for idea markets? How, how do these get off the ground? Sure. So. There are multitudes of people who are very dissatisfied with the way the media is uh, doing its job or not doing its job, as the case may be. And I believe appealing to those communities who see the value in an uncensorable, uh, trustless platform for establishing credibility would be some of the first jumping off points. People who may be seen as conspiracy theorists, uh, people who are simply dissatisfied with the lack of coverage of important issues. People who believe certain scientific or political unspoken truths need to be spoken. Uh, There are huge communities of of passionate people like this. I actually started one of them on Reddit. It has about 30,000 members. So I believe uh, harnessing the passion and interest of these deeply dissatisfied people who are looking for a voice, all the people who are on uh, Gab, the social media equivalent to Twitter that does not censor people, all of the anti-censorship platforms that are being built out there, their entire user base is composed of people who are interested in fulfilling the mission of idea markets. And I believe that there's a lot of potential to appeal to them and get this going through those communities. And what's been the... Um the response to ideas markets so far? Uh, it's been very positive. Right. A lot of uh, very intelligent people who I respect a lot 
have uh, shown interest and uh, have expressed a desire to contribute in some way or another. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited with uh, the way it's being received. It really seems to be uh, hitting the tone of the moment. And uh, it, it's something that the world desperately needs and that I see no other solution uh, coming close to delivering. And, uh, any bottlenecks holding, it, holding its adoption back? I am the bottleneck, Eric. I am not a programmer. I would have built the darn thing myself. So I am uh, I'm crowdsourcing its development on GitHub or Gitcoin, excuse me, on Gitcoin. And so uh, whatever uh, financial contributions I or others can make uh, on Gitcoin would be very helpful. And I'm also simply looking for a CTO who is passionate about this goal and uh, who can work closely with me to make this a reality as soon as possible. And what about the, the noble truths of common knowledge? Well, we, we have no choice but to believe something. We have no choice but to use our judgment based on limited information. Please. Yes. Okay, so these are some philosophical underpinnings uh, behind idea markets for the more epistemologically minded uh, people who you know, really want to dig deep into uh, the thought that is, that is behind these with any kind of uh, software solution to a cultural problem. There are philosophical assumptions to make. The scientific process, quote unquote, for example, is based on the philosophical assumption that the universe can be understood, that observations are reliable and repeatable, that the laws of the universe don't change over time, that an observation made in 1605 under the same conditions can be still be made in 2005. So that post that you just noted uh, starts to explain the assumptions uh, about how we come to believe things uh, and are persuaded of things and persuade others of things uh, that is underpinning the idea markets concept. What about decentralized venture science? Yeah. So there's an institute called the Institute for Venture Science. And the idea behind this was that, uh, you know, the government would give this institute a $50 billion grant or something like that, or maybe just 1 billion. And they would do 50 experiments uh, with prestigious scientists and all of the experiments, uh, they would have some sort of revolutionary hypothesis so that if any of the experiments succeeded, being conducted with uh, the most prestigious scientists under the most rigorous conditions uh, using this revolutionary hypothesis, if any of them were true, they would revolutionize a field. They would provide a, a quantum leap in cultural understanding, in technological understanding. I believe that this is a uh, extremely good approach to science, that there's not enough conscious effort to uh, revolutionize uh, our models uh, of science. And uh, this institute did not get the funding that, that it needs to, to do this. So uh, a decentralized institute for venture science is the same thing, only it doesn't re rely on the approval of, of some billionaire or some government to provide the grant. Uh, the idea is that people who believe there may be merit to exploring a particular hypothesis can donate the money themselves to testing that in a rigorous environment. It's sort of like, uh, like an idea market in, in that sense, but it's more of a, a revolutionary science uh, crowdfunding sort of tool. I think idea markets are more important, but the concept underpinning both is the same. And that 
concept uh, is summed up nicely in the Taleb quote, rationality is risk management, nothing more. And I like that because when there is a chance that a scientific breakthrough might give us, you know, 10 or 20 or 50 years leap in knowledge and understanding of the universe, spending, you know, $100 million to discover that is, is well worth it as opposed to spending $100 million making incremental progress elsewhere. There needs to be uh, a, a vigorous curiosity in the scientific community and in the venture community as well. There needs to be uh, a search for the outrageous and true. I think that's somewhat, uh, very much, I think that's very much missing in the scientific community. So uh, I, hope, I hope it's clear uh, what, I'm, what I'm trying to indicate with that. Going back to the epistemology for a second, is, 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 is idea market somewhat you know, taking the stance that whatever people think is true is true? <laughs> no. That sounds sort of like a, a nihilism or a moral relativism, the idea that there is no truth or truth depends entirely on perspective. No. Idea markets are based on or inspired by uh, pragmatism. William James, the great American psychologist, he's kind of the American equivalent of uh, Sigmund Freud in terms of his impact on the field of psychology, popularized the epistemology of pragmatism, which basically expresses that uh, or an idea is true in so much as it is useful and brings us into greater harmony with our environments. So idea markets measure not truth, but current, today's, perceived usefulness. Uh, the idea that the earth goes around the sun would have been very exciting and disruptive four or 500 years ago, not so much today. Meanwhile, uh, the uh, Senate report that George W. Bush stole the 2004 election in Ohio might be seen as very uh, important now. Maybe our attention span is far too short for that, but uh, there are definitely uh, extremely important uh, ideas and pieces of knowledge that are not nearly as widely uh, known as they could be and are not nearly uh, providing the usefulness that they have to people that they ought to be. So idea markets are for allowing people to decide for themselves what is useful knowledge right now and to share that with the world without any fear of censorship. But, you know, the truly contrarian, you know, at one point everyone thought the world was flat and then the world, yeah. it, you know, it, it became apparent that it wasn't. The truly contrarian ideas are the ones that everyone thinks are, are, are silly. And so those are the ideas that will lose markets until they will win, basically. It is sort of a bet that will uncover the truth eventually. Yes, there's, there's absolutely a bet that amid the ocean of apparent crackpots, there are quite a few... Uh, hidden gems, sort of like when you're hunting for micro caps on coin market cap. There are a bunch of, you know, scammers and BSers out there. And there are a few who are have been extremely careful and uh, extremely motivated to find the truth, no matter what it is. And they may have been shocked by it themselves. And it is our duty to discover and popularize those so that uh, no more genius is lost to mere obscurity. It is, it is a, an enormous waste that 
brilliant disruptors are left undiscovered simply because they were undiscovered. And idea markets serve as an incentive structure for people to search out and popularize uh, these brilliant uh, disruptive ideas. And there's not really a, an incentive mechanism to do that right now because there's no way to make money off it. And you get crazy, you get called crazy if you try. So idea markets help to solve both of those. Do you worry that there will be some equivalent of the uh, ICO bubble where basically people were pumping and dumping <laughs> their, their, their bags, so to speak, that they buy something at one price and then you know, see it uh, rise and uh, you popularize it and then sell it before, before it went down? There could be some of that, particularly in the beginning. However, there is a wonderful defense against that that idea markets have that the ICO market did not. And that is the fundamentals of an ICO consist almost entirely of things that can't really be verified. They're all hearsay. Uh, for example, uh, some project says they have a partnership with you know, Google or SAP or something like that. People buy on the rumor. It uh, can't really be verified. Or maybe it comes out that it's not really a partnership. They're just customers. They're just like using Gmail so their partners with Google or something like that. Uh, there are lots of ways to mislead investors in the ICO market. And so there were a lot of manipulative uh, pump and dump leaders. With idea markets, fundamentals come entirely from the merits of the idea themselves. There's no possibility that a group leader will have more information about you know, the hidden workings of a business or something like that uh, that exists in the ICO market. Everybody has equal access to the information and it value, the eventual value of the idea is completely embedded within the idea itself. So there's no uh, partnership, there's no insider knowledge that could give anybody an advantage or some kind of mysterious way to manipulate a horde of followers. Yeah, re reputation will play a big role here because you'll, you'll have iterated games and if you sort of pump and dump, you'll, you'll be exposed as a fraud. Yes, you'll be exposed as a fraud and also there are just simply fewer footholds for deception. If someone is trying to pump the idea that uh, I don't know the the Earth is flat, for example, anybody can evaluate that for themselves. They don't have to rely on someone saying, you know, the uh, Earth is flat. ICO has a partnership with Google, and that may be true, it may not, but you risk money on it just in case out of FOMO, and that's how pump and dumps happen. That there's this disconnect between the group leader's knowledge and everybody else's knowledge. But in an idea market, all the knowledge is right there on the surface. There's no way by which a group leader can tell you something that's not there. Either it's there or it's not. And you have access to that too. And you have the ability to evaluate that too. There's no entry point for uh, lying and, and deception in the way that the ICO market was conducted. Excellent. My guest has been Mike Elias, and we've been uh, discussing ideas markets. If you want to go deeper, follow Mike on Twitter and, and check out uh, ideamarkets.org. Mike, thank you for coming to the podcast. Thank you very much, Eric. I appreciate it. If you're an early stage entrepreneur, we'd love to hear from you. Please hit us up at villageglobal.vc slash network catalyst. 